It didn't take much more than a bottle and two chairs to make a speakeasy. This is what Daniel Okrent said in his book, Last Call, The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. Today, join us for some stories. Get your own bottle, glass, mug, and relax. This is Speak Easily, and I'm your host, Krista Stoffer. I'm going to write some of this. What? You know? Um... What did you start writing? Were you young? Um... Yeah, I was pretty young. I, I what started. was your first song? Do you remember? Well, <laughs> well um, all right. Let me get back. So I didn't. I did start writing songs. Like I moved a lot as a kid. So okay. like I, um, I moved every two years or so. Oh my gosh! Um, Military or just? Dad was in the Navy. Okay. Um, he was in the Navy Navy Reserve, but he was active duty. So okay. he. He would move every couple years to different reserve centers. Hmm. Um, so I kind of just started playing instruments, right? So, Interesting. Um, which we didn't really have any in the house, but my aunt had a piano, and mm-hmm. we spent a lot of time with family because I'm from West Virginia. Okay. What so part? Just all of it. <laughs> the whole state, the entire state. We're better <laughs> like ticks, you know, like... <laughs> Um, no, I was born in Charleston, okay. and my family's all from like the South Charleston area, mm-hmm. and then kind of down through the Southern coal fields. Okay, Scots Irish, mm-hmm. um, very Appalachian coal miners. Yep, um, you know, and I'm very poor. You yeah, know, and all that. Lots of big family. We got cousins. Oh we're, yeah. If oh I, yeah, I we're pro- I'm I'm probably related to everybody mm-hmm. um, in some way. Oh yeah. Um, do you have an accent when you need to? It comes out sometimes. <laughs> um, it went away. Okay. I, I, it doesn't, but sometimes, especially when I get around family and mm-hmm. stuff, or if, you know, I don't, I used to drink a lot, and like sometimes when I would drink, it would come out more. <laughs> That's um, the Scotch-Irish in you. Though. And, yeah, and for some reason, <laughs> it comes out when I talk to my kids. Interesting. I, yeah. So I, you, you parent Appalachian then. <laughs> Does it bother you when people say Appalachia? No, I don't care. Oh, see, it bugs me. I did live in southern Kentucky mm. for a year. That's beautiful. I worked with the Appalachia Service Project, and I did pick up an accent. And sometimes it rears its head. Yeah, it's actually a, uh, a dialect of uh, Victorian English. Mm-hmm. Although Victorian English sounds a little bit classier. Yeah, well, yeah, because it, you know, kind of did all that yeah. down there in the mountains for it a while. Did that thing. But that's why, like, uh, you know, like, my mom is, is Momo, right? That's like an Appalachian mm-hmm. title. Mm-hmm. And so she's always like, I love ye. I love ye. Yeah. Oh, I love ye, you know? Aww. And it's like ye, like, as in ye. ye, like Shakespeare. Yeah. And, and, but it just sounds. Yeah. And there's a lot of those E's and. Uh-huh. They couldn't, the people in Kentucky had a real hard time with my name. Apparently, Krista was very hard because they would they would ask me to repeat it. And they're like, what, what's your name again? <laughs> like, it's Krista. And they're like, so Chris, Christy? No, Krista. Crystal? Right. No. Kristen? Right. They're not used to that. They're not used to Krista. Like, that's, yeah. It's like, but why? I know. It's like ordering vegetables in Germany, right? They're like, das ist das? <laughs> but you have the sausage, you know? Like, <laughs> Yeah, Have you my, been to Germany? Uh, no. I haven't either. I've been to Austria, but I was four. I don't remember very much. Right. 
That was a couple years ago. I have friends and extended family that uh, that have kind of base over there. Okay. And um, and stuff. So yeah. we make a lot of jokes. Those German jokes. <laughs> well, I mean, and I'm curious about food too. Yeah. So are you um, a foodie? I'm a chef. You're a chef. Well, I'm a I'm a chef in re- like um, recession. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're going backward. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, like, uh, sometimes you do something and you and you set a goal and you do it. Yeah. Just to like be like, I did that. I did that. And I, that was that was good. And now I'm done. What do you like to cook? Um. Like if you had, you had to sit down with someone. Like I'm going to cook. Like for if you. I was going to make all you fine folks a meal, yeah. What would I do? What would you make? I would uh, get like a leg of lamb. Okay. And like a side of salmon. And just grill it whole mm. um, and do all that. Okay. I like rustic cooking. Like, I'd totally hang a deer over fire. That sounds awesome. <laughs> you know? Like, pull. You know? Oh, my gosh. That'd be great, right? I think well, yeah, not cool. in here. Don't do that in here. There's, like, fire coats and stuff. I'm sorry to disappoint. <laughs> well, we can't do it now. We well, not now. It. No. No, because we're doing a podcast. And now they're hip. <laughs> and we don't have any deer. Probably not far. Speak for yourself. You have a deer, in, like in the car, or I'll never tell. Okay, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to find out. So you started music first when you were young. Um. Yeah. Did you play sports? Did you was music your thing, like your go to? Uh, I played. I played. You know, I played baseball for a few years, but that was about it. When yeah. I started really learning instruments, I kind of ducked off. Okay. Yeah, I took the low road. The low road. Yeah. In West Virginia, Long must road. have been down a holler then. <laughs> yeah, no. What been, did you? So you played piano. A too. Did you jump to guitar? Yeah. So I, uh, my aunt had a piano, and um, and like we spent a lot of time there. So mm-hmm. like I typically would just kind of just pluck around. I taught myself how to read music. Okay. Um, That's not an easy task. Well, I didn't say I taught myself to read music well. Ah. Um, <laughs> you know, but you, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, she had sheet music, and I asked enough questions to where she showed me the lines and the spaces, and I was okay. like, "Dig it!" And then, um, so you know, I didn't know key signatures or anything, so I had to like just find the ones that didn't have them. I like those better in here. And uh, until at first, and then so I would pluck out like Little Drummer Boy and yeah, and stuff like that. Um, but like for me, I always was just drawn to sound. So, hmm. um, you know, I just play chords with like my you know just head ear pressed up mm-hmm. against the wood and just kind of do that mm. same with guitar you know okay. just kind of put my did you ever play the violin um or try the violin i can play fiddle okay right yeah it's very different it is very different my son is actually deaf in his left ear and so they, the instructor said that a lot of people that do have deafness enjoy the violin so much yeah. more because the sound is so close yeah, to I mean, the it's, ear. Yeah, it's vibration. Yeah. So um, he doesn't practice, so I don't know how much he likes it. But it's a, it's just a, it's just a, a really frustrating instrument. Mm-hmm. And the, and the logic behind it is, it's like okay, so make like a guitar. Mm-hmm. It's too big. So let's make it small. It's not not loud put enough. Your, put it on your shoulder. It's not loud enough. No. Okay. Um. So 
You can't pluck it. Let's hit it with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> donk, donk. That doesn't work. That's not all that cool. Let's get some so horse let's hair. Let's figure it out. Yeah, let's pluck some horse hair off a horse. Yeah. Put it on and that still doesn't work. No. So let's tap a tree mm-hmm. and uh, get the get the, the rosin, the rosin out, of it. out of it. And then let's try that. That doesn't really work. We we'll have to scratch it first. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. It's beautiful. There it is. I don't know. Yeah, it works. It's it does a, work. It's a beautiful instrument. I played the cello when I was younger. Yeah. I love the cello. I have a cello. Yeah. Um, I I love cello as a bass. Mm-hmm. I love it as a bass uh, instrument in composition. Mm-hmm. Like, I love it. Um. Unfortunately, you know, the technology now recording, it's like, it's um, it's easier to just pluck it on a keyboard and mm-hmm. as opposed to learning it. But I, I do have one, and it's on the list. But if you play, I don't know if this is a thing for you. I played cello long enough that I struggled playing guitar because the fingerings are so, I'm used to just processing up and down the strings. But playing the guitar, I could never figure out how to make my fingers go as you would for a guitar. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I also didn't have any patience to actually learn it, so that's difficult. I mean, it's all muscle memory, right? I suppose. I get confused sometimes with guitar and mandolin and Is fiddle. Is this a mandolin? Yeah. Did you bring a mandolin? It's small like me. <laughs> Portable. I love the mandolin. Uh, me too. Yeah. And uh, on the recordings that I'm doing, I'm actually doing, I'm doing like a, with the solos, I'm kind of matching the guitar and the mandolin. I played okay. in a cover band okay. for a few years while I was married, um, and I played lead mandolin and like an um, an old man rock kind of. Nice. Yeah, it was good. It was like, the, you know, the Beatles yeah. Yeah. band, um, all that stuff. So stuff that I wasn't really all that familiar with. I mm-hmm. came up like, like punk rock. Okay. Um, and then I went out like to like classical and I went to traditional Irish music hmm. and then I went to bluegrass. Okay. And then I kind of like narrowed that down to like bluegrass gospel. Okay. Um, you know, I played in an Irish punk band. Um, and then, so it's been kind of What does an Irish punk band play? Uh, it's a, it's just a regular punk band. Okay. With a fiddle. Got it. Okay. Yeah. I was trying to think of like. Singing what? about beer. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about okay. like you know drinking and fighting. Right, that's what the Irish do. Yeah, the good Irish. Anyway. I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, but what is Irish anyway? You know, we got to look at England. Yeah. It was British. You it was know. The Brits. So you are Scotch Irish. Scotch Irish, yeah, it's English. I mean, yeah. that's all the you know how they just took mm-hmm. populations, Everything displaced them, there. pit them against war against uh-huh. the other one, and then mashed them all yeah. up, and then sent Here them we to. Are. And then, you know, send them to Australia as criminals and yep. send them over here as criminals mm-hmm. and just whatever. It was British, man. It's, they're great. <laughs> you know, you, you got to admire their audacity. Uh-huh. And uh, Yep. My father sure. did his uh, 23andMe and came to find out he said we are Scandinavian, Irish, German, and English. And then he said, you should do yours. I said, why? Like, we're pasty white Europeans. Like... That's what we are. Do we need to know any different? I mean, you never know. It's worth it. I think it's pretty cool. I found a sister I didn't know I had. Really? Yeah. See? Oh, my gosh. I never know what dad was up to. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So it's after dad passed. Okay. 
And uh, yeah, so I did my, uh, you know, ancestry and mm-hmm. all of a sudden like. You have a sister. I have a sister. Did you reach out? Uh, yeah. And she's, where is she? She's living in North Carolina right now. Okay. So actually, this is, a, this is actually pretty interesting. Yeah, story. tell me the story. Um, so yeah, so it ends up, this is so West Virginia. This is <laughs> such a West Virginia story. Um, so yeah, so uh, back in that days, the, my, my, my mom and dad, they both had big families. Yeah. Because right? that's the way it was. They right. had kids to work the farm and yep. stuff. Um, and so my dad had a bunch of brothers and um, played music and stuff before he had kids and, mm-hmm. and did all that. Um, so he had one girlfriend before my mom. Okay. That he lived with or whatever, you know, for a little bit before he got married. Um, and apparently he, um, yeah, had a baby. So in that culture in South Charleston area, yeah. back then there was the Creekers. Okay. And the Hillers. Hmm. Okay, and this is a big, long story. That's okay. I could okay. go on and on Here for it. about West Virginia history. Um, and um, I mean, is that literally like they lived on, on the hill, they lived on the Yeah, hill. you're talking yeah. about, uh, you know, class inequality, yep. right? So yep. you're talking about the kids out in the haulers right. and the greasers. Like, the, it was yep. the West Virginia version of the greasers and the Soch, the outsiders, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you had that. Um, and in West Virginia, it was, more, it was more kind of amplified because you had, uh, you know, a long history of, of labor, right? Mm-hmm. Violent labor, right. like the labor movement as we see it yeah. was pretty much chartered out of here and then put into the coal mines in West mm-hmm. Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have that, and you have a long history of bosses and workers, mm-hmm. and that, of course, you know, translated, you know, followed through to yeah. you know the social hierarchy of the time, and then you know political corruption in West the state of West Virginia is. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to look that far Mm-mm. um if you want to see what fascism looks like stamped in the middle of america i, I don't have to go into details mm-hmm. just just yeah. start to scratch and you'll find it um you know the battle of blair mountain mm-hmm. would be good mm-hmm. a good start so anyway so you had this whole kind of dynamic going on right, right. and she was a, a hiller okay right and yeah. of course my parents were you know yep. freakers and apparently this girl had that was with my dad, but may <laughs> may have been sleeping with his brother. Oh, jeez. Which makes the ancestry uh-huh. kind of weird. Uh-huh. Right? So it's yeah. like, because the, the percentages are kind of. Okay. Yeah. It's like, okay, it was my dad's brother. Right. right. So it's, um, but after enough research, we're pretty much sure that it was dad. Okay. Um, and we don't think he ever knew. Oh, I was going to say. Um. You know, he dropped some hints over the years that may have had some, that he may have had a suspicion. Yeah. Um, so what happened is that her family sent her to New Jersey. Okay. And uh, forced her to get, I don't know, forced. That's the yeah. story. Um, and forced forced the mom to give her up for adoption. So she was raised in foster care oh, in New wow. Jersey. Oh, my gosh. Um, was it just sort of like a let's keep this tucked away kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, nobody knew about it. Wow. Um, I mean, I didn't know about it. Dad, yeah. like I said, Dad dropped a couple hints. Maybe he Had suspected yeah. that he wasn't the type. He loved his kids too much. He, right. You know, and the story they had at the orphanage or whatever was that, you know, her dad was a drifter okay. or whatever. 
Um, so she grew up thinking, you know, like all this about dad. Yeah. Um, which I don't I mean, I wasn't there. Right. Maybe. Right. You never know what dad was up to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. And so, yeah, I have a sister. Huh. Was it, did you reach out or did she? No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I kind of saw it and was like, that's weird. But I, it's not something I really spend a lot of time yeah. on. Um, so my aunt, who is, is like, way more into, like, family genealogy mm-hmm. and stuff like that, um, she kind of reached out. And they still have a lot more communication. Okay. Um, that's a lot. I mean, for somebody that was raised in the foster care system, that would be a lot to learn. You know? Right. Kind of yeah. a lot to unpack there. Yeah, especially, like, you know, like, finding us and, yeah. you know, and being like, like oh, I had a family great. the whole time. Like, would, right. You know, I mean, he would have he would have loved you. Yeah. You know what I mean? For yeah. sure. He would have, you right. know. Right. Um, huh. Sometimes it'd be like that. This is true. So, you know, there you go. You know, social inequality, class yeah. inequality, unless yeah. Virginia leads to. How'd Virginia. you end up here in Columbus? <laughs> um, <laughs> which time? Uh, <laughs> When did you move here for the first time? I moved here for the first time in 2001. Okay. I was in the Navy. Okay. And uh, as, so I graduated high school in, from, in Parkersburg, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then I enlisted in the Navy and did all that. Didn't like that. Got out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't for me, you know. Yeah. Um, anyway. So then while I was in the Navy, uh, my parents relocated to Columbus. Okay. So when that fell through, I, you know, we're Appalachian. I go, we're family. Right. So that's yeah. what we do. So I go, my, my family. Uh, and I lived here for, I don't know, probably till 06 or something okay. like that. Um, and then I moved to New York. In the city? Yeah. Okay. In Brooklyn and Bushwick. Okay. Um, what was that move for? Uh, Try it out? Well, I mean, I was a chef and a musician. Yep. Like, it seemed like the I right didn't have kids. It was like, well, you know, like, um, you know, I think that, and especially like the, the scene that I was kind of running with here was you know, really volatile and, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, I don't know. I just wanted to, you know, kind of push off, do something different. Mm-hmm. You know? Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I, you know, I worked a lot and uh, played as a subway musician. Nice. Playing busking. Blue, playing, yeah, okay. busking, playing bluegrass gospel music. Oh my goodness! Close harmony, close harmony bluegrass gospel in the subways. Huh. Know? And they loved it. Yeah. Um, it was good because, like, um, the person I was singing with. I didn't really sing at the time. That wasn't really, I still don't really, like, that's not really what I, you yeah. know. Um, I'll never, like, probably, like, take on the uh, a singing part of a of another record mm-hmm. again. Like, it's just, no thanks. <laughs> I mean, not without voice lessons or something that makes yeah. me more confident in it. Um, we, can, we can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, when you... When you busk in the, in the subway, do you just set up shop? Like, you don't have to. Well, there's a culture. The, uh, yeah. Well, you're technically you're supposed to get a permit from um, NYU, mm-hmm. right? And then they assign out. Um, 
designated spots. And okay. those are the spots you really want. Yeah. So that's, um, you know, that's Grand Central, you know, that's Times Square Station and all the, like, the really big trap yeah. areas. But, you know, I mean. You also can just do you it. Just, you're going to have to tell me no. Right. You know? And uh, and kind of the unwritten rule is is that, you know, one, you respect the other the other buskers, mm-hmm. right? If you know, I mean, it doesn't take long being out there to see, like, okay, well, this guy, the sax guy, mm-hmm. comes between noon and one or two, and and that's kind of his thing mm-hmm. on the on the F train or yep. on West Five or something. And um, and you you know, you kind of feel it out. You make friends, mm-hmm. you introduce, and you get help, and 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 you kind of get a lot of contacts that way. Mm-hmm. Because you know, that's a whole scene, man. Right. It's not. It's, and one of the actually the uh, one of the funniest things after I moved back is that I was. Uh, you know, I just kept doing it because mm-hmm. I moved to the short north, and um, so I was living down there, and there's gallery hops and all that. And mm-hmm. So I just go play, and I'd give out CDs and you know, and and all that, and it was just crazy because like uh, everybody I'd run into, because like I was gone for a while, mm-hmm. it was like, oh, so this is what you're doing now, <laughs> playing music on the mm-hmm. streets for money. Yeah, it's a thing yeah. though. And and uh, the the girl I was uh, singing with was pregnant. Mm-hmm. That's why we moved back to Columbus in the first place. Yeah. So it looked even worse. The optics were just terrible. It's like here I am, like you know, like please pay me. But I wasn't like even asking. I didn't even yeah. you know. I was just giving out CDs promoting. Right. But that was the pity that uh, got yeah. put on me, and that, and and that uh, that affected me in a way that kind of it's like. What's wrong with this culture here? Because mm-hmm. it's so different. Whereas New York, it's like, you know, that's that's appreciated. Part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if somebody lets a, pa- a train pass and listens to one of your songs, mm-hmm. right, you're doing something right. right. I mean, even the cops are in on it. Yeah. You know, if, if you're not, if you're not good, like they're going, that's, that's the person they're going to check for a permit. Okay. If you, if they like what you're doing. Yeah. Then they're gonna listen, and right. they're gonna they're gonna let you do what you do. That's amazing. Right? But if you suck, like, like you can like you on. got a permit. Yeah, you don't have a permit because NYU didn't approve you for sure. So okay. there's like even the cops are. I didn't realize on. NYU was sort of the checkpoint. It was then. Yeah. I don't know if it. Huh. You know that was 20 years ago. Or whatever. Yeah. So I don't. The only one I didn't enjoy was uh, the dude when we were on the subway that pushed us to the side so that he could continue his dance in the subway car it was like i'm sorry sir like we're standing here <laughs> you want to hear about how i um came to like bloody mary's how did you come to like bloody mary's um i was i didn't live in new york yet but we were touring and we're playing through there yeah and uh we were <laughs> playing a, and we went and we met up with a bunch of ohio people and um in the city and just had a a really really long night probably the night that my son was conceived right on right on if i was a betting man mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that was probably, that was probably it yeah um so um anyway next day like wake up it's an early show it's a happy hour show at hank saloon and park slope okay i don't know if it's still there probably not um it was like a rockabilly thing mm-hmm. and um i don't know why <laughs> us, but you know, we took the gig and it was like, we had to be there at like noon. Mm. So it's like, I mean, we had literally probably got like, I don't even know if we slept. I roll up, 
just feeling like death, like mm-hmm. not knowing if I was alive or dead, right. or like in the in between, mm-hmm. just in the ether, hanging somewhere, just you know, like a ghost. Out. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's how bad it used to be. And um, yeah, so we go to the show. We get on the train, and we're coming from um, Greenpoint. Okay. Right, to Park Slope. So there's no, the G train was was whacked up, and it was only running in one direction. So we had to go all the way back in Manhattan and then catch the orange line back mm-hmm. up. And, uh, man, we get on the train. We get a couple stops. And I think as soon as we hit Manhattan... Like a mariachi band gets on the train, mm-hmm. trumpets, up and down the train. And I'm just like, oh my god, because my like I feel like death. My head hurts. Yeah. It's loud in there. Uh-huh. They were great. Yeah, the show was fantastic. Yeah, they had sombreros. Of course. I mean, they were doing it, and they and they made pretty good money. But like, and they stayed on the train like all the way to Park Slope. So, finally get off the train and go to this gig, right? And then there's a bartender named Jeannie. And she had, like, poodle hair and was this, like, little mean Brooklyn lady. Yeah. Right? Like, just, like, I mean, it's like, you know, we get there at, like, 1130 or something. And there's yeah. already, like, she's already kicking drunks out of the bar. Oh, my gosh. Mean, right? And she yeah. takes one look at me and says, oh, honey, sit down. And makes me a Bloody Mary... And it was the best thing I ever had. <laughs> it saved my life. That yep. Um, cool. Not the alcohol, but the B vitamins. I know enough right, now. Right, right, right. Um, and, yeah. Little hair of the dog number. Never hurt, though, either. So that's why, that's how I, I used to hate Bloody Mary. Yeah. But, but mariachi with a hangover. That's not, it's not a selected music choice. I cannot express how loud it was. Oh. <laughs> It's really loud. We uh, I saw a mariachi band when I was in Dallas, and it was, it was pretty freaking cool. They'd hired a mariachi yeah. for for the event. Oh man, it's great. They're the so good. The, wow. They had a female singer, and she. Oh my gosh, that is some talent, because that's not easy music, right? At all. Klezmer music too. What is that? Traditional Jewish music. Okay. Yeah. I used to go see a band at uh, Banjo Gems. Okay. Like, ah, eh, where were they? It was around C Squad. It was around Ninth and C somewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and I used to go see a band called uh, the Hebrew School Dropouts. Oh my gosh! Phenomenal. What Just do they amazing. play? What's that? What I'm, like? What style is it? Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's Jewish music. Yeah. You know, violins and yeah, violins, uh-huh. accordions, um, you know, um, xylophones. And like really lively yes. and dancing, yeah. And live and I mean those boys are at it, you know, and okay. it's so much fun. Wow, yeah, a lot of. Fun. I can't say that I've ever seen that here in Columbus, but I'll have to look see if those guys. Yeah, are see see if you can find something here. So what yeah. did you bring? Tell us about your instrument. Oh, I brought a mandolin. Bring show us your oh. mandolin. All right. You All brought right. it in. You can't not bring it out. <laughs> right on. True. <laughs> No, I mean, that's, come that's on. That's not true. I just didn't have to Is there anything that you don't play? Like, is there an instrument that you're like, nope, not going to play that one? Do you play the accordion? Um, no. 
No. I've never played in it. I mean, I've played one, but I've never. It's too complicated. It's a lot. Yeah. She leaves a pick. Well, that's okay. I don't need to know it. Mm-mm. Um. What is the string for? This. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was. There's no um, strap button. Ah. To hang. All right. So the strap would. I would tie that. Okay. Um, I don't know how I ended up. So mandolin is how many? Eight? Uh, yeah, eight altogether, uh, altogether, but it's four sets of two okay. in unison. Interesting. Okay. So that is, the purpose of that is to give it more volume because it's so tiny. It is tiny. So. It's so cute though. Yeah, mandolin so is tiny. adorable. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, I used to, I'd like, so I have a solid body electric mandolin that I really like to record with. Okay. So I'm able to kind of like treat it like a guitar mm-hmm. and kind of work it into like rock and roll in a way that isn't yeah. really, you don't really hear a lot. So I'll usually when a, a, a guitar solos on the record will be, there's not a lot of just guitar solos. Usually it's, it's two different parts between a, you know, so sometimes like I'll just have the mandolin doing just you know shredding yeah. over it yeah. just to kind of um provide a channel for the melody to get uh-huh. through, through it to is it are the fingerings really different with mandolin versus guitar a mandolin smaller a mandolin is the same as a violin um in relation to a guitar it would be inverted okay right so an upside down bass guitar jeez with, okay. Yeah. So, you know, where your G shape looks like this on a guitar or whatever, it's this on a mandolin. Ah. So completely off. So maybe related. I could play the mandolin better than I could play the guitar. Yeah, mandolin's great. Everybody should play mandolin. Well. I start a mandolin choir. Beethoven played mandolin. Did he really? Yeah. Huh. He wrote a bunch of mandolins. Interesting. I love the mandolin. I'm a big Chris Tilly fan. You don't know Chris Tilly. I don't know. Oh, the... Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, Nickel the Creek and... Oh, he, he does, does the radio the, show the, um, shoot. on NPR. Yeah, Garrison Keillor's old show. Oh, yeah. I can't think of the name of it. I know. I keep going to, like, this old house, but that's not... That's Bob Vila. Great. Great. Uh, radio hour. Uh, Joey, do you... Can you Google something for us? Look up. No. Oh, Ben's here. I didn't know Ben was here. Hi, Ben. <laughs> what is the name? Chris Tilly is now the host, but it's a show that it's like on NPR. It used to be Garrison Keillor's show, and I can't remember the name of it. Something. It was a town, like the name of a town, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, ah. I want to uh, see if I can beat Google. Uh, Prairie Home Companion. Prairie Home Companion. Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did it. No, no. Wow, that guy's no Chris. Chris Tilly was what in a Renaissance man. He was in Nickel Creek. Yeah, and then he did. It's like anybody that anytime you hear a mandolin, it's like, oh, that's Chris Tilly. Right. He's so good. There's a well, goat, it's a really goat rodeo instrument if you do it right. Yeah. But it has to be kind of. You have to kind of approach it with intent because, like, it's not an instrument that is <laughs> kind of constructed to stand out. True. Um, it's just not, that's not what it's supposed to be. 
Um, it's not what it was designed for. So, and you really didn't see it really kind of until Bill Monroe. Like Bill Monroe was like the um, the guy who was like made everybody want to play mandolin. Okay. Um, you know, and some would argue, you know, a lot about him. Um, but certainly the creator of bluegrass music as a genre, right? Like there was oh, a yeah. bluegrass genre that was no. actually rock and roll. Yeah. Um, before then, which is beautiful, right? Because mm-hmm. it was before there was an industry. Right. So, you know, these guys were just hot knife through butter, through, you know, fairs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But what they did accomplish was what came to be helped accomplish. Um, I think it's like the true crowning achievement of America, right? Mm. Is that it's not always pretty. Yeah. But you can take everyone from the world and you can cram them into one meat grinder. And what do you get? You get rock and roll. <laughs> you know? Um, and as much as industry tried to hide, you know, the, um, you know, the cultural diversity and everything mm-hmm. that kind of led to that genre, and I've really tried to separate it ever since, um, yeah, you can't, Mm-mm. you know, it all, yeah, so, so I think it's a beautiful thing, you know, bluegrass music leading up to rock and roll was really a blending of, of all the cultures of the South, you know, a lot of African influence in bluegrass mm-hmm. music, the banjo Yep. Came from that. Can you play the banjo as well? I, you know, I can play a bit. I can play some things on banjo. Okay. Um, You know, I can give you a Foggy Mountain Breakdown. Okay. Or whatever. Or if I wanted to compose a song on banjo, I could rehearse enough to do it. But I'm not. That is, it's complicated, isn't it? Um, At least to make it sound Not as complicated as it seems. Because it's all in the right hand. Right, but if that's, I mean, you're not, there's very few other instruments that are solely focused on the right hand. Well, and it depends on the style of banjo you're playing. You know, I mean, if you're playing claw hammer, which is completely different than, Mm -hmm. like, the three-finger Earl Scruggs style, Mm -hmm. who developed uh, one of the banjo players in the Bluegrass Boys. Um, He was the first one to really kind of roll out the three-finger rolls. And those are just repeating patterns. Is it thumb, thumb and first two? Yeah, like. Okay. So that's a forward roll, isn't it? Okay. typically don't finger pick mandolin right and then you have stuff that go there like a claw hammers is really more like a break and then yeah pop that right up. so you're doing that more with the, the, the nail or the knuckle nail the nail okay gotcha yeah that's why my middle finger is all <laughs> it, it's so gnarly it gets yeah. uh, it gets blood pocketed in there it's, it's, i wonder why i'm single So yeah, that's kind of, you know, that's kind of, so that's kind of the band. So I, like, but it's all muscle memory, you know, I used to just sit and watch TV and just, you know, just do the rolls. But what's going on on the left hand is pretty easy. I mean, it's just, it's GCD. Yeah. I mean, there's really not a lot going on on the left. You're just kind of moving, hitting those passing tones. Right. 
and just coordinating with it. And, you know, I mean, you see the same in guitar. Like Bob Dylan mm-hmm. did a lot of kind of Woody Guthrie mm-hmm. did a lot of that sort of like kind of like just chicken scratch. And, and yeah, which really was influenced by June Carter, who, mm-hmm. um, you know, and Cash Carter. Yeah. whole like kind of early gospel um carter family stuff that mm-hmm. that was coming around she was the one who really like started with guitar and working that melody in okay to get through that yeah. came out of that kind of movement interesting um i spent a summer near the carter family fold yeah mm-hmm. how was that scott county uh virginia it was beautiful yeah. it was a little deeper in the mountains than west virginia so it was so beautiful and green that's the one thing I I would never move back to Kentucky. But I say that now that I say that I'm gonna have to move back to Kentucky. For yeah, it's good to visit. You know, it it is, but there's nothing like waking up in the mountains with the fog. Oh, and, oh my god! I mean, it's such. I was. I'm so thankful that I was able to grow up down there because it was so magical. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just mad. Like my imagination was, you know. I mean, you know, just so free because it's like I could go. You know, I could walk out. Well, maybe, you know, like, we didn't really live in a lot of places like that, but my family, like, my cousins did. And, you know, I mean, there's places that people might not have ever been. Mm-hmm. And um, so I can, you know, I kind of, like, I kind of tend towards those places. Mm-hmm. That's where I like to practice. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty shy, honestly. And, yeah. Um, so, like, I don't like to practice in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially violin. I mean, Jesus, it takes yeah. takes two years just to make that thing not sound awful. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, it was really nice. So I spent a lot of my childhood just kind of wandering around the mountains, mm-hmm. and just taking it all in and my imagination going. And it's always interesting to me that people that don't know of Appalachia when they get there is sort of like, this is in America. Yeah. It's like its own strange place in the middle of. The U.S. Yeah. It's different than anything else. I, you know, I maybe feel that being an Appalachian and kind of like moving out of there, Mm -hmm. you know, I kind of, I think, I mean, I can't because I don't know. I don't, I can't really like completely um, understand what it's like to be an immigrant. Mm -hmm. Like, like, you know, being displaced and moving from a different country. Um but I think I have a closer understanding than some. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, I mean, just a lot of social conditioning to, I mean, um, to overcome. Mm-hmm. That was a big challenge for me as far as, like, you know, getting over that culture. And yeah. It's not always pretty. It's poor. No. Right. Um, it's a very depressed. It can't, I mean, there's wonderful people down there. And, right. Um, but, you know, and, you know, there's not a lot. A lot of the industry is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Rust Belt wide. Yeah. You know, um, but fortunately, you know, I've been talking to people that, you know, that, you know, we got eyes on that. Mm-hmm. And the people are looking at that and they're working at that as far as like reaching out to the Rust Belt and yeah. getting it really, especially empowering the creatives and trying to engage them mm-hmm. to um, take advantage of the opportunity to develop their own economies mm-hmm. in the way they want to. Under, yeah. Because um, if something isn't done, 
most of those towns are going to grow over. Absolutely. Um, it's, they're just going to cease to exist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is that is what it is. I mean, that that could be considered progress. If you look at the history of how that how that state was developed, and, mm-hmm. you know, it, when you realize that all the towns are work camps. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, the Native Americans didn't really live there. Um, mm. I mean... That's where they ran to when they were running, but like they, you know, they didn't think that was really the place to live. Like, why? You know, yeah. That was considered the commons. Right. And that's where hunting parties would go, and they'd eat their mushrooms or whatever, hmm. and have their spirit stuff. Yeah. And, and all that. Um, but yeah, and then West Virginia particularly, you had a big, you know, I mean, a big kind of, you know, with Cherokee removal. You know, not all the Cherokee left. You know, I mean, some of them are still there. They didn't leave at all. You yeah. Know, they just said whatever. A lot of them pushed north. Um, the Cherokee tribe in particular um, bred into the English hmm. um, because of it's kind of it's kind of cool. Um, so Europe is a paternal society, mm-hmm. right? Whereas tribal society is maternal. Mm-hmm. So. See, the Cherokee, they won, and they just have to wait. Because for every child that was born of a Cherokee woman, that was another Cherokee. Mm-hmm. English saw it different. Yeah. But that was kind of their way of, of doing that. So the uh, the Cherokee basically married right in. And so by the time of removal, you know, most Cherokee didn't show any sort of DNA or ancestry of that. Mm-hmm. But, and... But to the tribe, that doesn't... Well, right. Which tribe? Yeah. Because you have it all split up dep- depending on when they were moved and all mm-hmm. that. Um, You're a history buff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could go on and on. <laughs> you really don't want to get me on a rabbit hole. <laughs> Are you a researcher? I am a slave to independent study. Okay. Um, that's, that's a great thing. Keeps your head full of interesting things. Well, these days you gotta, yeah, you know, you gotta make sure you're not fighting for the wrong team. That's true. It's very true. Um, yeah. Very cool. I'm sorry, I was kind of tangented. I forgot what we were talking. I don't. I don't know. This is how we roll, man. That's how we roll. This all right. That's how we roll. Cool. You know, we plan this out. I ask right. you 85 questions on my list over here, and right, we go from there. <laughs> and I gave you all my uh, stock prepared responses. Yeah, you did really well with that. I'm glad we chatted for. All that time ahead of this, so we knew what to do. Are you playing anywhere soon? Are you having? You said you're working on an album right now. Yeah, I've been kind of focused on that, and okay. I'm publishing. I started a publishing company that I'm trying. You know, I'm I'm reaching out to songwriters that mm-hmm. that are writing songs, especially the creatives that, you know, that write songs. You you know, you see them in, you know, they're the guys in five bands. They're writing all the songs. Yeah. Um, and it's really not, you know, I'm probably, you know, it's really not really for profit. It's really more just to make sure that the creative property and intellectual property is um, taken care of. Mm. I mean, now, sure, you know, I mean, it. I have a catalog of music that mm-hmm. I can license out and to whatever, you know, and that helps me, yeah. right, for whatever. But, I mean, it gets them paid, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Money is good. Creatives need more of that. Right. Well, I mean, the the, I, the problem is that people just don't know what it is and people don't understand. And mm-hmm. the climate is so predatory um, right now mm-hmm. for the indie musician that, uh, you know, 
they they feel just you know kind of suspicious and that's cool it's good but um you know the, the reality is is that you know if you're distributing through you know distrokid especially you know you're not there's they don't collect publishing royalties um mm. you know if you're writing songs you need to register with the pro yeah you know you need to establish a publishing entity um it's easy to self-publish um you know um so i try to like offer resources to people who want to self-publish okay it's not really important important to me that people publish with me um i do think that there's potential in um you know organizing and mm -hmm. having you know an indie publishing option that can still get your material done or whatever until you right. find something else yeah as opposed to just kind of being ignorant of it and just pretending that it's not there um so that, you know, and, and so there's that, but I do think that there's potential in in um, just volume, you know, and being mm -hmm. able to like actually put put creatives to work, and yeah. um, or you know, like someone like me, I don't really like to play out mm -hmm. that much. Mm -hmm. um, typically, it's it's more hard, it's more house than it's worth. Like, um, you know, unfortunately in Columbus, I've been fighting this fight for a long time, but I mean, it's just not very profitable to perform. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just not, you know, you got to go out, you know, you get paid more out of town than you do here. Really? And, and you saw, and there's been effects of that. Like you've, you've seen, you know, probably one of the, the house show scene in Columbus, you know, was at one point was coveted, you know, pretty much across mm -hmm. the country. And that was a direct result of, of people just boycotting venues. Yeah. And they didn't learn, you, you know, they're still doing it. And, mm -hmm. um, so house shows, you know, were the, you know, big thing. And, you know, when the bands that typically go from Cincinnati to Cleveland, you know, well, you can get them at a house show and, you know. Make a little money that way. Well, because it's about them and we pay them. You know, mm -hmm. like most of the time during that time, we would just pass around a hat. Yeah. Um, and they would make more money than they ever would. Do you think that busking is kind of similar to that feel? I, you know, I love busking and I love, I love, I think it's a great way to build confidence and mm. to learn how to sell your art. I learned how to project and how to sing and mm -hmm. how to perform by like, there's a bunch of strangers that don't care, mm -hmm. right? You're going to have to get them. Yeah. Right? They're not going to, they're going to walk right by you mm -hmm. and they're not going to care. And, um, and that can be disheartening to some, you know, but at the same time, through the process, you learn what works. Yeah. You learn what don't work. Like, like for me, the goal was to get a kid dancing. Mm. Oh, man, you get a kid dancing, it just starts raining twice. Because yeah. yep. the kid's so cute. It's right. not even about the music. Right. It's just everyone's like, oh, the kid's dancing. And they give us money. <laughs> You're like, yay, thanks, kid. <laughs> right. Oh, I love that. Um, but, I mean, I, you know, the, there's so much independent music out there, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not going to be... I like to put it like this. We destroyed the music industry. Hmm. We did. That was that was my generation. Mm -hmm. We wanted to. We burned it down. We did. Good work. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Top notch. Now what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, but we're in a better position now. I mm -hmm. mean, to record and to actually, you know, to develop that that indie market and but this has happened over and over again mm -hmm. and 
even in Columbus, I mean, there used to be like more than music fest and mm-hmm. there used to be all these big fests that used to bring in like a, re- a really, really big indie rock. Yeah. Scene. Yeah. But what you see, you see um, industry react. You get the strokes. Mm-hmm. So now as opposed to festivals where it was independent hip hop, it was independent literature, it was um, it wasn't just, you know, it was hardcore, it was punk rock, mm-hmm. it was jazz. You yeah. Know? I mean, it didn't matter what the genre was. Because it was a collection of creative mm-hmm. towards with intent. Yeah. So, but what you see that gets stifled into a genre, mm-hmm. and now no one cares. Interesting. But it's coming back because you're never yeah. gonna, you know, like you're not you're not gonna be able to do that, and 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 that's regardless of how many creatives kill themselves with drugs, alcohol, because they don't feel there's a place for them in. Because they're what they do and their spirit and their essence isn't is not valued by society. Interesting. It's sad. <laughs> well, it's very sad. Yeah. And um, I think that we're that we're you know out of place with technology and everything where um, that you know that portion that spirit will bloom. I think you're going to see it come out. You know? Likely. Um, so. You know, I think creative property will be very valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, and people say AI. Well, I'm not as worried about that as some. Okay. Um, well, and it's awesome to see you helping other folks discover that too, other artists. Well, I mean, if you think about what artists do, right? We, you know, we communicate emotion. Mm-hmm. And, um, and AI is cool, man. You know, I mean, you got you can crank out a picture, you know, and you can, you know, for promo purposes, right, or whatever. But I mean, you don't go to a museum to see flyers, you know. Um, you know. Yep. And you can automate food, right? You can, sure. You can automate that, but you're not. You know, there's always going to be a market for um, the real deal. But I could go even further than that if you want to go into the phases of water and uh, cymetics and. <laughs> And all that, I could, <laughs> and, the, and the physics of it, I could. Wow. Yeah, we could talk about. Maybe, maybe next time. Maybe next next time. So, where can when is your album coming out, or do you have a? Ah, oh, geez, yet? I don't. Um, okay. It's, um, I have two singles released, and I only really did that to kind of like figure out like how it works. Right? Mm-hmm. I just want to kind of see, and it's about it's, it's about as stupid as I thought it was going to be. Um, <laughs> You know, so I'm taking my time. I'm home recording. I am um, in talks with a couple of different record labels about releasing it. But um, back to the burning down the industry thing is that, you know, the traditional roles of people in the industry aren't the same. Mm-hmm. It's the Wild West, no matter what anybody says. Like, nobody knows. Yeah. It's literally like, you know, go west, plant your flag, develop a model that works. And show us because we don't know. Yeah. We're trying everything we can to to generate revenue, and the best they can come up with is Taylor Swift. So. Full circle. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for that. And uh, so, um, oh, that full circle threw me for a loop. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um. Yeah. So I forget. Um. Yeah. So I did that. I. Yeah, the record. So, yeah, I mean, it talks with a couple labels about that, but it's a question of what's a label going to do? Yeah. So what I'm running into is, and there's good labels, there's labels doing good things, but the, but the 
the definition and the role of a label of a record label has changed. Uh, typically, what I'm running into now is that there is no artist development. Hmm. All right. So whereas like the labels used to say, "Oh man, this band's good. We like Tom Petty. We're gonna put him up. We're gonna fucking oh, sorry. We're gonna put a band behind him." Okay. And, uh, <laughs> it happens. I know. Um, You've met us. You know, and we're gonna and we're gonna develop this guy. And we're yeah. gonna pay him, and he's gonna come on staff, and we're gonna do that. That doesn't happen anymore. Mm. So what they're doing is just taking already made product. And working as basically just a, a rubber stamp. Not all of them. I don't mean they as in yeah. all of them. Because it's it's literally a label-by-label label basis. Mm-hmm. And, that, and, and because of that, I, I think that's why I decided to kind of focus on publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of see how that pans out. Right. Um, because right now, I mean, it's the, what I'm running into is, yeah, there's no, there's no money. Mm-hmm. And you need to have a, a product that is, uh, is it technically... Um, Whatever. There's a slurb. There's a little, there's a little blurb they use. And anyway, I have to. It's it was I I uh, obviously processed. I cared so much that yeah I yeah it. yeah that's okay. Um, but yeah, they just want to kind of like have the have the thing and then promote it. Yeah. And um, and basically be a booking agent. You know, so the label will still book the tour to promote it, mm-hmm. and they'll send it out and they'll campaign for it. Right. And that's basically about it, though. So whereas the record label used to pay for the recording process, all of it, you know, they'd mm-hmm. pay for the recording, they'd pay for all the masters and all that, and then the artist would end up with a smaller cut of, you know, like, depending on whatever the deal is. But the label mm-hmm. would make the most of the money. Mm-hmm. Which is a fine model for, you know, sure. for people who are on tour and want to wreck hotel rooms and mm-hmm. party and sure. be rock and roll. That's yeah. good. And there's nothing wrong with that. I, I don't have any problem with that model. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like the cut really isn't changing. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, you know, they don't want to put up any of the money. Yeah. Um, and with the market being so saturated with unorganized um, independent art, um, the leverage is there for them to pull it off. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like, you know, you got all these, you, got, you know, millions of songs of Spotify every day, you know what I mean? Um, so a record label can just be someone who says, these guys, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's all they have to do. Um, you know, I've made a career out of uh, burning down gatekeepers, and uh, I don't intend to stop. Good. You know what I mean? So. I like that. Um. It's a, it's a question of, is, you know, is, what, what are they going to do for it? Um, yeah. What are they going to do for the record? And are they actually going to care? Or is it just going to be like, you know, they make much, you know, they make money and, mm-hmm. and I get like, you know, whatever. You know, and so, I don't know. So it's delicate right now. So yeah. I'm not really rushing it. I'm taking my time. I'm, I'm recording it myself and tracking it out. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with nice. that. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you? I mean, obviously. Right here. Right here. Krista. <laughs> right here. <laughs> Don't try to find me. Okay. Okay. We won't. But you're on the socials and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm on the yeah. socials, yeah. Yes. I got, I got all that. So, yeah, you can uh, fill it under Mike Wilson. Mm-hmm. Mike apostrophe S. What's the apostrophe S for? The ownership of the Wilson. I don't know. I 
to ask the ownership. Okay, I will. No, uh, that was a, a typo on a flyer. <laughs> and, it stuck. Uh, and I was like, that's kind of fun. Because it's I like, like Mike Wilson, it's like, there's a lot of it's us. It's fairly common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I did Mike Swilson with a capital S for a while. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, and then I named, then I went possessive. I like the and possessive. So, and a lot of people just think it's a dick joke. Um, <laughs> maybe it is. I, you yeah, know, sure. I didn't yeah. typo it. I just decided to keep it. I like that. Um, Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah, marketing isn't my strong suit. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to be good at everything. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really the, I, I'm more comfortable promoted, like, promoting other people. Yeah. Because I think that, um, you know, I think a lot of the problem is, you know, everybody wants to kind of build their own empire, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get to the nuts and bolts of it, if you're writing the music, you're arranging the music, you're putting together the band, um, and keeping them in line, and that's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe not all bands, but some bands, that's for that's, sure. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, just keeping them healthy, mm-hmm. you know, and alive, you know, like, um, it's a thing. And so then on top of that, you know, like, the, you want to produce the record, you know, um, you want to make the video, you want to direct the video, of course, you want to mm-hmm. have that, you want to be the booking agent, you want to book all the tours yourself. Um, you know, you want to produce the record, you want that producer credit, right, and uh, you want to self-publish, and you want to start your own label now. So and and it's the same story, and, yeah. and, and you and you see that, and that's how people burn out. Um, it's a lot. But the question is, is how do you communicate that to a bunch of people who want to build their own empire? When the reality is, is that you know there's plenty of people here to work and get behind good art, um, but there's a separation there here for some reason. Interesting. Um, You're breaking it down there. I like that. be honest I don't really think much before I speak that's okay um, so um so yeah so it's really like yeah it's about it's okay to have a publisher mm-hmm. you know like it with the market and its state like it's good to have a team it's good to have specialists that, mm-hmm. that do that you're going to get better art right that know what they're doing and so that's that, the problem yeah. and that's what's been happening and and I've and I've been guilty of this too. I mean, you know, I look back on my music career, and well, it used to be a lot harder to record. I'll mm-hmm. give it that. But you know, I mean, I, you know, I played a ton of shows. Mm-hmm. You know, there's I didn't really produce anything profound. Yeah. Or, you know, anything like that. I was too, you know. There was too much going on, trying to do too much. Um, so just to step it out. So you know, I'm trying to use this record as a catalyst to get people involved in, in different roles and and really start investigating and really setting up a model to get everybody paid, mm-hmm. get everybody to work. Yeah. Um, Thank you for that. <laughs> well, what's the, there's a quote, and I don't know who said it, but, um, um, you know, those who seek pleasure, right, lack a sense of meaning, mm. right? So... What you have is is that creatives that are unfulfilled, you know, and they don't. So what do they do? They don't. They that meaning isn't fulfilled in them. Mm-hmm. But that's a part of their soul. Yeah. That's not going away. You know, they're going to try to kill it. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so you end up with a bunch of really talented people and a bunch of wonderful art buried in their own individual holes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I've seen the best of my generation, some of the best songwriters yeah. I've ever, you know, encountered in my life and all, whatever, you know, they were sad, mm -hmm. depressed, unappreciated, undervalued, taken advantage of, um, told that what they were doing wasn't real. They were childish, grow up, get a real job, yep. you're doing it wrong. And, you know, there's an element of truth to that. You mm -hmm. know, you can't blame parents for being real. Right. You know, it takes what it takes to, to survive in this society. Because that's the way it's been. I focus on where it's going. I like it. Right? Yeah. So, and to do so and to, because the people that ruined the industry last time, they're busy. Mm -hmm. They're busy putting the same model back up. Mm -hmm. And you don't, and just look at what the major labels are putting out. I'm not going to bring names in, but you know who you are. <laughs> and, you know, um, it's just not about the art. Yeah. They got a formula. Right. You know, they've learned how to mm -hmm. trigger the brain candy, and they're just hitting the button. Yep. You know, yeah. and, uh, and people are moths to the flame. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I like, I it are. makes my heart happy to hear that. The creative spirit is being nourished. And that's that's my jam as well. So Schumann Resonance is off the bat, off the hook right now. Yeah. All right. Probably well, Super Bowl. Uh, Probably Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. Once again, full circle. I mean, she. I I'm sure she listens to the. I podcast. wonder if she's an interdimensional being. I don't think so. Well, I mean, they exist. Yeah, but she's hiding. That would be a lot of hiding that. Well, I only bring it up because I saw on the news this Congress lady coming out of this meeting mm -hmm. talking about UAPs and UFOs and stuff. And, you know, the reporter was like, so tell us about the aliens. Because, you know, there's aliens. We know that, right? Sure. That's real. People don't talk. People are scared. Yeah. Um, so... And they said, no, they're not aliens. They're interdimensional beings. No one knew. It was real brief. That was all she would say. So they referred to them as interdimensional beings. Okay. So, I mean. I haven't met any. I don't Unless know. the government's lying to us. Probably. That you know of. That we know of. Come on, man. Benjamin Franklin, USA all the way. I Probably. That would actually explain a lot about you. Just ponder on that. Okay. We will. Me and, me and Ben go back a lot longer than you guys know. Now I'm worried. Countless eons. Yes. Oh my gosh. Don't be afraid, Krista. A bunch of nerds. Don't be very afraid. No, I already am. <laughs> that's that's very, very well said in place. Mike, thank you so much for coming. Oh, on. yeah. Thanks for um, playing, too. Oh, I don't know. It's all good. Mandolin. Teach people about banjo picking on a mandolin. I love that. That's cool. Maybe you can teach me. I'll give you. I'll give you vocal that. lessons in I exchange. How's that? That I. I am down. Okay. I'm into it. Well, thank you for. I'm a terrible too. singer. That's okay. But I'm confident. I'll yell. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Right now. Right now. Yeah. Well, not right now. But. Ah! <laughs> it's my new song. 
Thanks for listening. Oh. <laughs> ah! Be on your Spotify. Boxland Media. Think big.